Episode 2, Barron versus City of Baltimore. Last week, we talked a little about jurisdiction generally in the context of Marbury versus Madison. This week, I'm providing two episodes, one on Barron v. Baltimore and one on McCulloch versus Maryland. The first one is going to be short, which is why I'm giving the two for one. We're going to talk a little bit about the Bill of Rights today, the first 10 amendments to the Constitution. Even though they are called amendments, it may surprise you to learn that the Bill of Rights was not included in the original Constitution. On September 13, 1788, the Congress of the Confederation, the Articles of Confederation precursor to Congress, declared that the new Constitution had been ratified and now was the law of the land. The Congress disbanded and prepared to start the new federal government and elect a new president. At this point, there was already a call for a Bill of Rights. The Anti-Federalists, who supported the Bill of Rights, had pretty obvious reasons for the support. They believed that without specifically enumerated rights, the president might become a king, and the federal government would infringe on individual rights with impunity. It may also surprise you to learn that there was some pretty intense opposition to a Bill of Rights. The Federalist Party opposed the inclusion of a Bill of Rights in the Constitution, Alexander Hamilton wrote a Federalist paper, number 84, which laid out the opposition to such a bill. He believed that it was unnecessary as the Constitution was meant to enumerate the specific powers of government. And, since none of the powers seemed to have affected the rights included in the Bill of Rights, he believed that they were unnecessary. But, more importantly, he worried that a Bill of Rights could be dangerous because it could be argued that because they were the only rights specifically listed in the Constitution, the Constitution did not grant any other rights. They also believed that the state governments could provide sufficient protection of individual rights. A nice little bit of irony in the context of this case. Ultimately, James Madison presented a list of proposed rights to the new House of Representatives. These would have been added directly to the text of the Constitution itself, rather than as amendments. There was some concern that changing the Constitution in this manner would give an appearance of instability. After much debate, the House of Representatives forwarded 17 proposed amendments to the Senate. The Senate debated and whittled that number down to 12. The Senate and House then convened a committee to discuss the differences of opinion and again came out with 12 proposed amendments, which were passed on to the states for ratification. The states ratified 10 of the 12 on December 15, 1791. So, what happened in this case? This case involved a wharf in Baltimore owned by Barron and Craig. This wharf was known to be highly productive because it had the deepest water in Baltimore Harbor. The city of Baltimore then diverted streams of water which normally entered into Baltimore Harbor from their natural paths for its own purposes. This caused a lot of sediment to enter the harbor and specifically into the wharf area owned and operated by Barron and Craig. The sediment piled up and made the wharf unusable for ships. Barron and Craig's business suffered significantly. As a result, Barron and Craig sued the city of Baltimore, claiming that the city had taken their property without compensation as required by the Fifth Amendment. At trial, the Baltimore court gave Barron and Craig $4,500 for the loss of its wharf. However, the Maryland Appellate Court reversed that decision, and the case came to the Supreme Court. The Fifth Amendment says, in part, that private property shall not be taken for public use without just compensation. Obviously, Barron and Craig took this to mean that the state government could not take its property without paying them for the taking. Once again, Justice Marshall wrote the court's opinion. He started out by saying, The question presented is, we think, of great importance, but not of much difficulty. 
Justice Marshall argued that the United States Constitution was established by the people of the general federal government, but not for the individual state governments. Indeed, each of the state governments had established their own constitutions with their own grants of and limitations on power. Therefore, the Constitution of the United States was a grant of power and a limitation on power only as to the United States government, not any state government. For additional support, Justice Marshall looked at Article 1, Section 9. He looked at the language of the restrictions in that section and stated that they only applied to the federal government. One big reason for that determination was that one of the clauses states, no bill of attainder or ex post facto law shall be passed. But then in the following clause, the Constitution declares, no state shall pass any bill of attainder or ex post facto law. Why would the Constitution have to say that if the first statement in the preceding clause applied to the states? Similarly, in order for the amendments to have been prohibitions on state power, the amendments would have said explicitly. Therefore, their absence meant that these amendments do not apply to the state government. Because of this, Justice Marshall said, the Fifth Amendment does not apply to the state of Maryland and the case needed to be dismissed. As is pretty clear, you can see that none of the Bill of Rights now applied to the state governments. You may be wondering why it seems like the constitutionality of a law is a big part of our judicial life now, even in the context of state laws. This is an important question and I want to go over it in some depth in later episodes, but suffice it to say that Barron versus City of Baltimore is no longer the law of the land, and it was the Civil War that caused that change. On the next episode, we're going to go over the issue of national banking and taxation with the case of McCullough versus Maryland.